if they didn't like anything we said. We still like to hear from them. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. And let's go off by laughing. Yes. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design, how to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and today I'm sharing part two of my interview with Barry and Gayla Gordon. I'm sure you noticed the intro to the show as being a bit different today. Today was a lot more joyful as we embarked on laugh therapy. I just, I can't even hear that without just cracking up and laughing. It's just, it's so much fun. I encourage all of you to do it. We'll be uh, talking a lot more about it in the show today. Our show last week was a little bit rough because we had a wonky time change to deal with and then the show got interrupted because the fire department came by my house. But it's all good because today's show is going to knock your shoes off. I'm serious. And it's going to make you laugh out loud. Gayla shares with us a brilliant technique to shift your chi. And it's simple, free, and hilarious. All right. Let's dive into some housekeeping. New Year, New Energy is open for enrollment for a couple more weeks. I still have some openings. So if you're wanting to get rid of, uh, you know, 2019 vibes, want to call in rad 2020 vibes, and really make it your best year ever, then you need this class. It's a energy kit that I have put together uh, to help you properly prepare the energy for the new year. Keyword properly prepare. <laughs> I think a lot of people put the cart before the horse. And it's also this class is going to teach you what energy you need to be calling forth that suits your needs and really how to call forth what serves you best. So I really go into detail about cultivating your chi, how to do that. But the properly prepare part is the key thing. I've prepared this digital New Year kit to share with you the annual ceremonies that I perform every year. And I'm also going to be including a stone kit in this, along with a mantra and a note for my spirit guides. So this is a highly customized program that I'm putting together to really help you have a kick-ass year. And I think a lot of people, you know, chalk this up as, oh, this is just something I can find on the internet or read in a book. Well, first and foremost, I can guarantee you that you won't. Uh, this information isn't anywhere out there. It's, you know, these are sacred ceremonies that I've gotten from my teacher that are directly from Professor Lin. And not to mention the most important aspect of this work, which you've heard uh, and you'll hear us talk about with um, Barry and Gala today, 
is that this work is highly spiritual and the spiritual lineage of energy where it's passed down through spiritual teachers after spiritual teacher is what makes this so powerful. So you lose that. There's a break in the energy connection when you get it in a book or online because you're not working directly through the teaching lineage. Speaking of spiritual lineage, uh, next weekend I will be doing uh, at Half Moon Yoga my How to Remove Negative Energy from Your Home. Uh, it's a class that I'm putting together. Uh, you can head on over to Eventbrite to purchase tickets or you can just reach out to us at let's chat at the gates company.com and we can help you get those. But I'll be teaching uh, a sacred ceremony in that class as well. And it is a, a really cool ceremony that utilizes fire, salt, and some other shamanic tools uh, to banish fit bad vibes. And so, you know, I think a lot of people hear how to remove negative energy and they automatically think saging. And I've never used sage. I've never been taught to use sage. It's always um, different types of ceremonies that I've been taught through my shamanic teachers, my feng shui teacher, uh, and the other energy uh gurus and teachers that I've worked with. So if you have any questions about that, just head on over to the website. We've completely revamped it. It's amazing and gorgeous. So I encourage all of you to go over there. And finally, I don't like to go on and on and on when we have a show to do. Uh, but this is really important for me to mention. If you subscribe to my newsletter, you've already gotten the notice. You already know about this. But Michelle Moore is canceling our show uh, which I've been talking about um, on social media. She and I recorded on her radio show uh, about a week ago, and she was going to take that content and put it up on her podcast. So I've been telling you all about it. I've been telling you to go over to her show and check it out and listen. Well, guess what? I won't be doing that. <laughs> I'm not going to go into details here, but she has basically decided not to move forward with our show because it goes against her faith. She has fired me. As she says, as a devout Christian, she believes that feng shui and energy principles are not in line with her brand. Uh, personally, I think she needs to get a new representative because the God that I know is all loving, but her God is apparently judgmental and disapproving. So, oh well, her loss. Uh, so for those that have been emailing us, we've been getting a ton of emails about wanting to listen to the show, you know, learning about how you can utilize these energy principles to uh, sell a home, change the energy in your home. Just hang tight. I'm taking the content that she and I did on the show, and I'm just going to turn it into uh, videos and put them up on my YouTube channel. So, and FYI, they're Jesus approved. <laughs> Alrighty, today we will be learning about feng shui, how Barry became a student of Professor Lin's, energy, and how to dramatically shift your chi from a little laugh therapy, from a little help from our friends. Are you ready? Hell yeah, let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am super excited. I have Barry Gordon and Gayla Gordon back on the show today. Welcome, guys. Hi, Amanda. Um, today is going to be a great show. We uh, ran out of time last time when we were talking. We had so many fantastic things to talk about. And I had to go because I had the fire department outside my door and they came in and tested all my fire alarms and that wouldn't have gone over well on the recording. So today wow. we get to finally <laughs> finish up and talk about and focus on feng shui. 
So I'm curious, you know, we left off talking about both of your introductions into the metaphysical world and uh, just all the amazing things that have occurred to you and, you know, always being at the right place at the right time and the guru appeared. I'm curious, when did you both meet Professor? When did he come into your lives? Well, that was different times, really. Um, we met him separately. Um, for me, uh, well, it's a little bit of a long story. I, I was interested in feng shui. Um, I had been a, a, a counselor in a veterans program in San Francisco, and um, there was a client who had a child about four, a boy that was had terrible problems and nobody could help them. And um, someone suggested they go see this old guy in Chinatown. So they did. And this old guy, and this, old, this is really about feng shui and I Ching and stuff like that, you know? So um, they went to see him and he told them that the maternal grandfather was trying to contact them through the boy because his gravestone had been tilted to one side and they, he wanted to straighten out. So, you know, everybody went, you know, sure. Right. And she called home though. And someone went out and looked at the grave and it was just like the guy said, they straightened it out and the boy was okay. So I wanted to go study with that guy. Cause that, I, I lived in India. I'd seen many miracles by that time, but I thought that was pretty amazing. And he wouldn't, teach me anything because traditionally Chinese don't let any of their information out. They don't want to teach anybody unless you pay a heavy price of many years being like highly subservient. And so I wanted to learn feng shui because I knew the guy was doing feng shui and I Ching and Chinese astrology, but he wouldn't teach me anything. And then it was really a few years later maybe two, one, that a friend said there was somebody teaching feng shui out at San Francisco State University. So I went, and there he was, Professor Lin. Ah, the holy grail. Yeah. <laughs> he was so charismatic, and he, he was, you know, he's the head of a Buddhist lineage in China. Um, and it's the Buddhist lineage that was the lineage followed by the emperor's family and it came from tibet um, based on the original burn religion of tibet um, which is why tibetan buddhism is so different from all other buddhisms and more shamanic um, and so the uh the monks in beijing saw him playing when he was around four years old and they took him away from his family and brought him up because they knew that he was something special. So here he was teaching at San Francisco State University. Um, and his feng shui, you know, is very different than all the other feng shui's. It's very esoteric. Very, yes. So, and really based on the law of attraction. Um, and energy, and energy, yeah. And so he it's was not about. It's not so much about placement, although placement plays a part. But it's more about the shamanic energy, right? And so I got hooked. I, I was already studying with other Buddhist teachers and you know yoga teachers and all that stuff, um, and Western teachers who were teaching 
really the same thing. I'd already done a lot of HUNA training, you know, the Hawaiian training. Gala had actually done that same training, but we didn't know each other. We never met, even though she did the same Hawaiian training. At the same time. Uh, the, yeah. So um, when I met Professor Lin, he was teaching in a way that brought it all down to earth. You know, it, it took all these spiritual teachings and uh, connected it to the environment, which made it very powerful. So I, I love that. And he, well, after I met him and I was studying with him, uh, he had a class still at San Francisco State University for about two years after that. Um, and then it switched to University of San Francisco because of a, a problem with a student. Um, but uh, he was really teaching all of the very deep Buddhist teachings. Uh, it wasn't really just a feng shui class at all. And after, uh, I would say, a couple of years, I went up to him and I asked him, well, you know, I don't really want to hang all these crystals and wind chimes in my environment. I mean, that's not my style, you know? He was mid-century modern. Yeah, my house is mid-century <laughs> modern, right? Which is the beauty of, of who Professor really is. I mean, the way he taught, you know, he, he to me, his style of feng shui was never taught in a way like I think a lot of teachers are. It's like, do this, but you cannot ever do that. And for a student to come and say, well, I don't like those things, most teachers would say, well, that's the only way. And I bet Professor had a different answer, didn't he? Well, he had a very different answer, partly, I think, because he knew me um, better than I knew me. Uh, he had that ability, you know. So... He said to me, oh, you don't have to do any of that stuff. Mm. He said, you can do the whole thing with your mind. Yep. Your mind is strong enough. So I just assumed my mind is strong enough, <laughs> which it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, but um, the thing is, is that's the beauty of professors' teachings is I right. always joke around and I say to people like, you know, this goes way beyond moving furniture. This goes way beyond clutter. I mean, we're uh, sometimes... I feel like, you know, I'll jokingly tell a client, we're working in the fifth dimension. Like we're manipulating energy on like a whole nother level with our minds through ceremony and things like that, which I think is what made his teachings so different from some, you know, other teachers that are out there and some other people. Well, he actually said that you could do all the function just by doing blessing rituals. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I believe that. I mean, haven't you experienced that that's pretty powerful in and of itself? Well, that's the most powerful part of it. Mm -hmm. The um, like we just helped uh, an agent sell a home a couple of weeks ago that had been on the market from February until a couple of weeks ago. And the whole thing was done with um, Ho'oponopono and one of the Tibetan ceremonies and it sold in three days, mm. you know? So we didn't, it wasn't the fun. It wasn't like what people think of feng shui that sold the house. Well, I think it's, um, what's really cool about that is I just had a, um, intuitive, uh, Athena Demetrius on the show uh, a couple weeks ago and she was actually, she channels this doctor, Dr. Peebles, uh, oh, Dr. from, Peebles, yeah. 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 And, um, 
she uh, was saying, she was actually sharing that when she channels Dr. Peoples, he, he talks about um, this idea of the reason why homes don't sell or the reason why people don't feel comfortable in their homes is because they don't treat them with kindness and, and it's all energy. Everything has to do with energy and that the most important thing that you can do is um, bless the home and bless the energy and um, show it kindness through ceremony. And I loved that because that's everything wow. that is what we do in feng shui. Definitely. Yeah. That's interesting. We have a friend here who channels uh, Dr. Peoples too. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, he's very, he's very prominent on that level. Actually, there's a number of people who are tuned into him. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, Professor Lin, I think was like a continuous channel. Um, it was like, you know, when most people channel or bring in information from those different levels, it seems unusual. But Professor Lin was doing it full time, kind of on a, a everyday basis, as if it was just a natural function. Yeah, he sounds like he was a stream of consciousness. Yeah, <laughs> like always streaming the information. <laughs> it just it just flowed out, you know. And I mean, I don't know if you know the story. Um, about Sarah Rosbach. Yeah, long t she met him, I think, in the 70s. Well, she, well, yeah, she was, it was in Hong Kong. And um, she had gone there, I think, for NBC. And she was studying Chinese with him. He was uh, a professor at Hong Kong University. And one of the things he, he was like a Chinese, the old fashioned Chinese scholar that did everything, the mm. painting and poetry and feng shui and, all, he knew all the Chinese classics, and um, so he was teaching Chinese, but he didn't use the classroom. He was always just going to different people's houses. He had a, he had a following then, you know. Uh, and so she was following him around, trying to learn Chinese. So one day she went to this house because he was there, and uh, the people, someone came out and said, "Well, just sit here in this, you know, ante room, and Professor Lim will let you know when to come in." And so she was sitting there and sitting there. Every so often somebody would come out and say, um, well, just sit here. Don't leave. Just stay right there. Professor Lin will let you know when to come in. And about six o'clock in the morning, someone came out and said, well, Professor Lin says you can go home now. <laughs> so she, she goes home and actually it's a terrible story. Her roommate was murdered. Somebody came in, robbed the place and murdered her roommate. Oh, my gosh. So Professor Lin kept her there. Uh, yep. I was just going to say he knew. Yeah. Now I'm curious, you, uh, Barry, and I'm not sure, Gayla, if you've spent time in India, but, you know, with the Vedic texts and all of the wisdom of India and all the gurus that are there, one thing that they have is Vastu, and I've never uh, resonated with it. It's never had the beauty to me that uh, what Professor gave us in Feng Shui since you were there, Barry, what, what are your thoughts on the, you know, feng shui that you know from professor as opposed to Vastu that's taught in India? Well, the Vastu that taught, taught India is the South Indian Vastu. It's, it's very ancient. It's very um, rigid. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's based on the environment in South India, which is not the same environment anywhere else. And Professor Lin's teaching was wherever you are, the feng shui is based on your environment. It changes based on where you're living. 
but people get really rigid about it. Like there's the whole community in Fairfield, Iowa, the, the Maharishi's community there, you know, Maharishi University. Mm-hmm. And um, they're very much into Vastu. And they build all their houses in a particular way that really doesn't fit the environment. Hmm. It's very rigid. Yeah, they can't sell a house if the door is facing south. Yeah. Now in India, in southern G- India. Gala was in India. Yeah, yeah, not as long as Barry, but yeah. Um, in southern India, if you had a door facing south and you opened your front door to the heat of the southern India environment, you would be very uncomfortable. It would not be a good thing. So, of course, it makes sense in South India not to have the front door facing south. But in Fairfield, Iowa, you know, (laughs) it's not the same thing. And it's pretty silly to transpose that belief in an inappropriate to an inappropriate um situation you know here your door could face any direction and you know the indians always wanted the door of the teepee to face east Mm -hmm. so that they would see the sunrise at the first thing in the morning when they opened the door that was their feng shui Mm, that makes sense i'm curious gala you know um, I think you had said in the last show that you had also known a little bit about feng shui before meeting Professor, but what was your story like? You know, what, what, what was it like when you met him? Oh, well, what was it like when I met him? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know that I really have an answer for that. Um, I spent some time with him. I, you know, took an initiation from him. I... Uh, learned his um, teachings and all of that, but I never really accepted him as my personal guru type. I had a lot of personal gurus, and he wasn't one of them. I didn't resonate with him on that level. I respected him. I honored him. I learned from him. um, I appreciated him and do all of those things to this day. Uh, but he wasn't my heart guru as some others were, and as he was for Barry. Well, he was, I guess, in some ways. But by the time I met him, I was kind of over the guru thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because as you read our history, you know, I'd already had a number of gurus. And I know. Most- you're so lucky they just appeared in your life like candy bars. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them were so sweet, though. that's better for you that's called a lesson (laughs) well yes and no and so because there's a lot of abuse in that whole um oh yeah i would would arena actually um and a lot of misunderstanding about enlightenment and spiritual powers and all that kind of stuff you know um so i really had some different teachers that were uh very powerful and uh, I have a lot of heart energy with them. And I did have a lot of heart energy with Professor Lin. I had some definite past life um, connections with Professor Lin and his whole, his Chinese entourage, you know, um, like Professor Chen, uh, who had grown up in the Forbidden City when there was still an emperor, um, which is how he knew Professor Lin. So, because Professor Lin would have been the Pope of China if there was still an emperor, um, mm. that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so 
like Professor Lin said, you, you've ridden in the same bus as somebody for 500 lifetimes uh, when you meet them in some lifetime now, you know? It's like, it doesn't just happen to meet a teacher or, or someone like that, you know? It's, right. it's a long, long history. Which is and, what we were just talking about before the show. Right, right. What, I, what, what really attracted me to Professor Lin was, well, in the Hawaiian teachings, there's a very powerful ways of using the law of attraction um, and ways of bringing harmony and balance back into life. And he was teaching the same thing in a, in a only a slightly different way. So I, it was very easy for me to understand it. And I, and I liked the way that it brought in all the other stuff that I had been working with. Um, and especially his way of using three secrets, which is actually the uh, essence of his teaching. Right. Um, I'm curious. I would, I would really like to know. I mean, you've both been, uh, I know you practice other modalities as well. But if you were to, if we've got somebody listening today and maybe they're new to the concept of feng shui or maybe they've heard it and they don't really know what it is how would you explain feng shui to someone i would say the feng shui is a way of aligning your environment to support your well-being just that simple that's what professor Lin said really i guess so probably yeah. i don't know that i'm mm -hmm. quoting but anyway um it's just that simple and it's uh, there's three things that are really important in feng shui, and one is attention. So you see things through feng shui eyes, which means that you um, pay attention to metaphors. You look at the metaphors in the environment. You look at the energy uh, that most people don't even notice. You you feel and sense energetics on very subtle levels and are they conducive are they healthy or are they noxious and if they are noxious then how do you shift them into being harmonious and supportive and uh it's a multi-dimensional practice and it is totally shamanic now let's explain shamanic to the audience because sometimes when you say that word what pops into mind is visions of uh, Native Americans dressed in feathers with drums and rattles. Or drinking ayahuasca. Or drinking ayahuasca. <laughs> and that is a shamanic practice, of course. Uh, but the whole point of it is uh, the, the feathers and the rattles and all of that are a way of announcing to the universe your intention to connect on non-mundane, non ordinary levels you want to go to the other realms that exist at all times but we as humans are usually tuned out of them not into them and with feng shui you don't need or with any kind of shamanic practice actually uh, the rattles and the feathers and the drums that's for the native american tradition but you don't need any of that um, you don't need the ayahuasca either, although it's definitely a, a, a fast track to get there. But you can get there through meditation. You can get there through um, just tuning in to the, you know, to the other realms. And the whole point, the thing about shamanic is that it's going to those other realms to 
shift or gather knowledge or energy, which you can then bring back to benefit the mundane, ordinary reality. Mm, I love that. And I, I think you're right. You know, one of the real benefits to this level of feng shui is it is so energetic. It is very shamanic. And I think that it really, through all the meditations that he gave us, um, it really teaches us how to hone in on our intuition and to access those other realms and um, fine tune our intuition. We can all hope to be a stream of consciousness like he was, but really to tap into that higher wisdom and that higher knowledge um, and really work on an energetic level, which I think is much more powerful um, and, and much more productive than a lot of the physical stuff that I think a lot of people think feng shui is. It is, but the physical stuff is what you can write in in books, write about in books, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the subtle, subtle realms, and um, you know, and it does have a value. Like for example, let's just talking about hanging a crystal or placing a fountain. You can hang crystals all day long and put the fountains all over the place, and you'll probably just get water spots and rainbows, right? Yeah, which is fine, but it's not feng shui, but. If you hang that crystal and you empower it with your intention, like remember I said intention, if you empower it with your intention, then you can be walking through that room with your mind on something completely, you know, the groceries or whatever, and it's completely mundane, but your subconscious mind and high self, and this is a whole, could be a whole show in itself because this is the real key to it all. That part of you, remembers or isn't connected with that empowerment and so it triggers the empowerment so that every time you walk by there you're reinforcing the empowerment the intention of whatever it was the purpose of hanging the crystal or the placing the fountain and while you hear the fountain bubbling you hear the, the water and you know you're busy working on the computer perhaps but um just that sound because you've empowered that crystal to mean it's bringing more money to you, more flow of money to you or more flow of whatever you, your health, good health, whatever you empowered it for. So you hear that sound, conscious mind not paying attention to it, no problem, subconscious mind resonating with it. Mm, I love yeah. that. I love the idea of thinking yeah. about the... Um, that it's working even if you're not, if you're kind of on autopilot, it's still doing its job. Exactly. Right, exactly. right. I was just writing about that last night, how feng shui is one of the most powerful, maybe the most powerful way to activate the law of attraction. Yeah. Because you're doing it on a physical level, an emotional level, and a spiritual level. That's why Professor Lin used body, speech, and mind in the three secrets. So right. that you activate all those levels, and um, I, because of what I learned in the Huna, I kind of learned a different way to activate the mind part of it than what he was teaching. Um, it, it's kind of more in line with how people are teaching it now. But uh, but you know that that crystal hanging there, like Gala said, that's like a continuous practice of your intention 
a representation, representation of your intention, yeah. which is like a trigger to your subconscious mind to remember that intention. Hmm, I yeah, think that's yeah. great. You have an attention and intention now. But there's yeah, one more. There is one more secret. <laughs> I don't know if we should call it Barry. Let <laughs> you come to one of our classes together. Mom. That's it. Buy the book. Right. Well, I do. We talked a lot about um, in the uh, last show. We talked about how you know both of you have worked with several other healers and you've learned so many other different modalities that you mix in with feng shui. And I'm, you know, for the listeners today, I think part of the fun part of being in this world and, you know, having the opportunity that both of you have had to work with some amazing people in your lives, um, incredible karma that you both have, you know, what are some of the stories? I mean, good Lord, you guys have both been doing this for over 40 years. So what are some of the stories you have around this line of work and some of the things that you've seen? Yeah, I think it's 50 years. <laughs> yeah, it is 50 years, 100 between us. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, what might be more important than stories although stories are great stories are powerful but we've got so many where to start and i would say that uh some things that i would suggest the listeners pay attention to are synchronicities that when a synchronicity happens in your life please do not call it a coincidence you are dissing the universe the universe is always listening and if you have the blessing of a synchronicity happening in your life, you should stop in your tracks and thank the universe for that synchronicity. And don't just say, oh, what an interesting coincidence and shove it away like that because then the universe thinks you don't care. And really that is a, a secret that I have seen tried and, and true and proven more times and I continue to see it proven in the world. So honor your synchronicities. Is and saying thank you the, the best way to do that? Or is there other practices like writing them down or anything like that? that oh, that writing them down, the universe loves when you write them down. Because if you take the time to find a pencil and a journal. Or, or have a blessing journal always have, there. Always have a blessing yeah. journal at, before you go to bed at night and just write down all the things you're grateful for. Even if it's just somebody smiled at me at the grocery store who was usually having a frown, you know, uh, the checkout person, whatever. Uh, simple little things and as well as the synchronicities that can be so mind-boggling dazzling um you know like what are the odds of this type of thing and um, they don't even have to be like Jung said they had to be have some kind of profound meaning it's not no true. they don't they don't at all well it's they like, actually have a profound meaning just, oh, yes. in, just in their being and there, exactly you know? exactly mm -hmm. just in mm -hmm. having experience them it's profound even if it's just you're saying an esoteric word and it's spoken simultaneously on the radio i mean that happens to us all the time we don't listen to the radio much anymore but it used to right. happen all the time and we've got thousands of synchronicity stories and from us yeah would you share some of those because um i know what you're talking about but there may be somebody who's listening today that maybe just found the show and they're not exactly sure they may think like 
oh, well, I was mentioning this to a friend and then, you know, I saw it on the news that night and they may think, I think that's a synchronicity. So maybe share some stories so that the listeners can get an understanding of like, you know, just how beautiful synchronicity is and what, you know, how that can have deep meaning in our lives, even if they're small. Oh, well, we could, let's see. Yeah, we could do that. I was going to tell the one about Leonard and me, but. um, No, okay. Okay. How much time do we have? (laughs) Uh, We've got another like 35 to 40 minutes. Okay. Oh, we can tell. All right. I'll hear some new stories. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I was on a trip, um, a world peace mission to India and with San Kashavadas. And um, 1983 or something. 1982. And it was a big deal. There were 30 of us on this trip, and we went from North India to South India and all over the place and got to meet Mother Teresa and San, well, so many of the gurus that were alive and, you know, visited. Anyway, it was a big deal. And there was a TV crew following us around because here were 30 Americans, you know, on this world peace mission. And um, so this TV, so we, so they followed us around. Okay, so my friend, Rasik, who is a retired attorney, um, had been told by our guru to write his memoirs. And at the time, he was really being a hermit and not connected with, he didn't have a computer, such and so. But 15 years later, he decided he better do it because his guru had told him to do it. And now he really wished that he had a video of our trip that these TV people had taken to refresh his memory of all of the places we went. And so he called me to ask if I had the video. No, I didn't. I hadn't even seen it ever. Anyway, that afternoon he was taking a walk. He lives in San Francisco and down by the water, and uh, he crossed through the Safeway parking lot, and there was a plastic bag blowing around on the parking lot, and as a good Samaritan, he picked it up and walked over to put it into the dumpster. He opened the dumpster, and in the dumpster, there's a stack of videos, and the one on the top is the video of our trip to India from back in 1982. This is 15 years later. Is your mind boggled? Did we lose you? Uh-oh. Oh, we lost her? Oh, my God. Oh no. oh, no, I'm here. Sorry. I was so excited. My mind was so, exp- I was, my mind was blown that I hit the mute button. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. What an incredible, st- what are the chances? Exactly. Yeah. What are the chances? Well, there, are, there are none. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to tell you one more story. Now, this happened to me. This is many years ago, back in the 80s. Um... No, 70s, actually, 70s. So I was strongly connected with a Taoist master priest named Yogi Chen. And we used to do rituals together. And, you know, he would take me on, oh, it was amazing things we would do, uh, fire rituals to help, never mind, it went on and on. Um, One day, I was also a calligrapher. I studied calligraphy in art school. And one day he asked me if I would do calligraphy for a little book he was writing called Ahimsa. Mm-hmm. It was a book of um, uh, poems. Ahim- I, I didn't know what the word meant. It's a Sanskrit word that means no harm. And this was a, like a little children's reader about um, being kind to animals and things like that. And he wanted it 
it was going to be in English, but he wanted it to have a Chinese flair to it. So he wanted me to design an alphabet uh, or a font that would have an oriental flavor, but be able to be written in English. So I took on the project. And I, at first it was very difficult for me. Um, creating a new font is no easy matter. And it was like, oh, what did I do? I took on this big project. And um, then as soon as I got into the project, I realized, oh, what a blessing this is that he chose me to do this for him. So when I completed the project, I was wondering what I could take to him uh, to show him more than just the, the, the calligraphy, but to show him that I really appreciated on other levels besides just having done the project. So I had a meditation shawl that I had had since I was in India, and it had calligraphy on it, it was silk and it was gorgeous, and I wore it for meditation for numbers of years. And um, I wrapped the poetry, the poems that she, he had written, that were now calligraphed in the shawl to give it to him. And he was very happy when I did it. He loved it. He, he loved the calligraphy, he loved the shawl. Not that he needed the shawl, uh, but he appreciated it. He knew what it, where it had come from. So that night, driving home from his house to mine, all of a sudden it hit me, oh my gosh. I don't have a meditation shawl for tonight. Oh my gosh, you just can't run down to the corner store and buy a meditation shawl with Baraka energy, you know, all these years. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do for tonight? So I got home and in about 10 minutes, the phone rang and it was a friend of mine who said, can I come visit you? I've got something for you. He owned a shop uh, of Middle Eastern things and things from India and all over. So he came to visit. And he brought me this box. And guess what was in the box? <laughs> of course. Beautiful, beautiful white wool meditation shawl from cashmere embroidered. Just gorgeous. Gorgeous. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, what a miracle. You know, I just gave away my, my meditation shawl. And wow, you brought this to me. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. So that night, I'm sitting in meditation, wrapped in my new meditation shawl. And when I come out of meditation, I'm looking at the beauty of the, and feeling the texture of the wool and the beautiful embroidery. And I flip over the corner of the shawl, and there's a label on it. And there's a big red word on the label. And the word is... Ahimsa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is... You talk about synchronicity. I actually, uh, I have a membership group and my theme last month was letting go. And I was talking about the yamas and self-mastery and we were focusing on ahimsa. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? At that time, I had never heard the word before until I got that project. And then there it was on that shawl on that night. And I called Yogi Chen. I said, Yogi Chen, how could this happen? He said, God did it. I said, I know, I know, but how could it happen? He said, God did it. I said, I know, but how could this happen? <laughs> he said, God did it. I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> it's, I think what's really fun about the stories is it, you know, it really kind of breaks us out of our 
um, patterns, the the day-to-day routines that we kind of get in a rut. And if if you really pay attention, it's the delight and the joy that it can bring into your life. I had a experience where I was working with uh, one of my own teachers and she had said to me that I needed to start wearing uh, jewelry that had uh, Labradorite in it, that it would help my spiritual awakening. And at the time, I didn't have any Labradorite. And uh, when I got off the phone with her, I was like, I'm going to have to get that. I'm going to have to do that. And uh, my girlfriend and I had uh, scheduled a lunch that day. And I was late. And I was texting her. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm running late. I'm running late. And I raced into the restaurant. And I was like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I was so focused on the fact that I was late. And she said, well, the whole reason that I wanted to have the lunch today was because I felt compelled to give you this. And it was a necklace that her great grandfather had made in Hawaii. And it was a Labradorite necklace. Wow. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And it's, it's what's so bizarre is that I had gotten off the phone with my teacher and my teacher had just mentioned it. And Maribeth, my friend gave me this necklace like 40 <laughs> minutes later. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That is synchronicity. Well, you know, I'm a Leo, so I got to tell a story. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just goes with my astrology. I yes. <clears throat> well, I met my best friend in India back in 1971. Oh, wow. Um, I, I was staying at Muktananda's then, and he and two friends came, two of his friends, and they stayed there for a couple of weeks, and we, you know, kind of hit it off, and then he, they left. <clears throat> and probably a year later, um, with another friend, I went down to South India to um, R- Rama Ashram to spend some time with Krishnabai. And <clears throat> when I got there, my friend Leonard showed up there. So it'd been about a year, and all of a sudden, I'm in this another place, and then he shows up again, right? So we got to know each other even better. And there's some other synchronistic stories about that, too, and so about what happened there. But Many years later, so that was 1972, probably, the second time I met him. So in 1982, I got a job as a headhunter um, recruiting hardware engineers. And I'm sitting at my desk about a week later. And don't forget, when you were in <clears throat> India, when they knew each other in India, they, were, had, they both had long hair, beards, and barefoot, and wearing dhotis. Right. 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 And now Barry's in a suit and a tie at a desk. And very tan from the Indian sun. Yeah, You're back dark, then. Right? Yeah. And I even had an Indian accent. Right. right. And now he's at a <clears throat> now he's at a head hunting desk. I'm at a head hunting desk. In a tie and, and clean shaven. And about a week later, they hire somebody new and he's sitting across from me, right directly. And so we're looking at each other and it took us about two or three days. We go, oh, India. Oh gosh. <laughs> you know, so we had met. So now we're working together 10 years later. So Leonard says, Well, I'm having a party. Why don't you come to my house in Marin? So I go to his party and he's married. He's married a woman that he met in India, but I had never met her. It turns out that she grew up a block from where I grew up, that I had gone to grammar school in the first four grades with her sister and I knew her sister really well and I'd been to her house. Wow. Yeah. And so then when we were moving to Prescott, that was kind of one of those synchronistic stories. We were gonna we were gonna move to uh Santa Fe 
it didn't work out. So all of a sudden, where are we going to move? We have to, you know, and Prescott comes into my mind. And it turns out that, and I didn't know this when Prescott came into my mind. It turns out that Leonard's daughter lives here, uh, who I've known since she was born and has the biggest organic farm here. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know if that's actually synchronicity. That's synchronicity. Uh, it oh, is, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so I have a, a question. You know, Barry, you are a physicist and, and you've got a scientific brain. You know, how do we, you know, I think uh, Gayla's reaction was great when she saw the word ahimsa. Like, you know, she immediately calls her guru like, but how, but how? <laughs> you know, I mean, is are these just miracles that we need to, uh, you know, write down, honor, respect, and it yes. is what it is? Yes, yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. Einstein said, I right. everything's a miracle and nothing's everything's a miracle. miracle. Right. And I'll go with the first one. Right. Everything and and the, the quantum mechanics um, explains it, really. If you want to have a logical explanation for something that's totally irrational um, and can't really be explained because, you know, uh, you were saying I have a scientific brain, but you know, the brain is just a, a filter. It's, it's a, it's a device to filter reality. So you're only aware of certain things mm-hmm. and can only think or react in certain ways. It, it cuts off most of reality, but, the, uh, but we all want some kind of logical explanation. And so quantum mechanics has a principle in it. It's called quantum entanglement. Mm-hmm. Quantum entanglement means that, everything in the universe actually is connected in some way. Mm-hmm. And Which would explain the theory of you and this gentleman, Leonard. I mean, your, your energy's entangled. That's how you kept ending up in one spot. That's right. Our energies got entangled and over many lifetimes, most likely. Mm-hmm. And so in my next lifetime, I'll probably end up with Leonard somewhere in my life too. And Gayla, I mean, Gayla and I probably have had thousands of lifetimes together, you know? Well, the reason I wanted to bring this up is I don't think it needs an explanation. I mean, I think it is what it is. And and there's so much more to this world that, you know, our little tiny brains, our filtration systems can't explain. But I think what uh, is so great, I'm glad that you brought up entanglement, because I think what's so great about the idea of everything is connected is it goes beyond just the connection to each other it goes to the connection to nature and our spaces and, you know, everything down to rocks and, and literally the blades of grass that we are literally connected to everything. And I think that that is the explanation of why synchronicities are, you know, we look at them as miracles and they are in so much, you know, in so many respects, but the idea of entanglement, helps us understand that there's so much more out there than we can possibly know. And that's why this uh, work works. It's why feng shui works. It's why, um, you know, the Hopopono that I can't pronounce. <laughs> it's O-O-Pono-Pono. Yes, I know. My girlfriend is also, she's of Hawaiian descent and she's been, she's worked under a guru for years. She's been trying for 10 years to get me to pronounce it correctly. (laughs) (laughs) We have another friend like that, actually. You know, Uh, you asked asked way back, um, what, if someone was just getting into this, what would be important? 
you know, and and Gala brought up two of the three important points that we're not <laughs> holding yes. the third secret. Um, <laughs> the, the, there's actually something that is super important because you, we're talking about the brain, but actually the heart is much more important yes. than the brain. And the heart is what's connected to everything, not the brain, the heart. The brain is just the filter. The heart is the essence, the, 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 the life of the matter. And the heart is the organ of joy. That's it. And so the most important thing for anyone to know, no matter what they're doing, is to be joyful. So whether it's like we're talking about synchronicities, some, you know, when, you, when they happen, celebrate, celebrate and it's be an, joyful. It's an opportunity for celebration. It's an opportunity for giving thanks with joy. It was like, whoa, look at that. Whoa, how could that happen? Oh, how wonderful. And thank you, universe, for giving us this gift of this, you know, profound, you know, who could have... Who could have thunk it, you know? Right. Yay. And so because we have, we have a culture in which we're brought up to cut off our hearts, that's why we don't connect on the level you were just talking about, where you could sit with a rock and, and have a relationship with a rock because a rock is conscious. Rock has consciousness. You know, there was the guy who did the um, plants, but... Um, Secret life of plants. plants, the stories in there. He also did it with rocks, where he, he, he proved with the lie detector that rocks actually react to people's thoughts and feelings, as well as plants, right? But we've, we've, we cut ourselves off from that. That sounds amazing to us. For someone brought up in a heartfelt culture, it would just be normal. And, and the heart's full of joy. When you connect with nature, you just automatically fill with a natural joy. And that natural joy is the most healing energy in the world. It, yeah. It's the, really the essence of healing, and it's the essence. So if you want to learn feng shui, the key is to bring joy into every environment. Bring joy into your living environment. We don't, we, we have rules in our house that um, we only want to be aware of and tune into things that bring us joy. Yeah, if it's not joy, we, we call it our mile high utopian sanctuary. And... <laughs> utopian sanctuary and we are a mile high here in Prescott and um, you know if we if we have a choice we will choose joy for example you know some friends were watching Game of Thrones and suggesting how wonderful what an amazing show it is and you know and I love dragons I thought oh I could I was all excited let's watch it well after a show or so, I realized this is not joy-inducing. I mean, they're killing off the people. First, they get us to love somebody, and then they kill them off, and in a very gruesome way. And it was not joy-producing, and as addictive as it could be. I mean, I realized, I said to Barry, if I watch one more show, I'm going to be addicted to this thing, because it's totally addictive. And it was well done, and all of those things, but it wasn't joy-producing. So we didn't go there. And some other shows that are just, you know, they, they, they're fascinating and maybe not violent like Game of Thrones, but again, not joy producing. So we choose what is joy producing and it, it changes our life. Mm -hmm. Really, it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. And recently I got um, 
Vanity Fair magazine. I've in the past enjoyed reading it if I was getting a manicure, was in the, uh, the salon, you know, I'd pick it up and read an article and I thought, oh yeah, okay. So I brought one home and today I was sharing with a friend, the faces in the magazine are all, oh my gosh, they're so, they're all in pain, every face. Yeah. I mean, there were a few in the back of the book that were smiling, but page after page, these huge two-page ads with one face looking like it's in extreme agony and pain. Mm. And this is what people, I mean, those a pay, one page ad in a Vanity Fair magazine is probably $100,000. This is two-page ad with one word on one of the pages and a woman looking like she's in dire agony and so thin she could be a Holocaust victim. And this is what they're paying $200,000 to present to us, for us yeah. to look at. And it's not joy producing. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the uh, heart resonance. I've actually talked quite a bit about it on the show. And I, I wanna mention, um, I had uh, Karen Newell on the show earlier this year and she and Eben Alexander wrote a book called Living in a Mindful Universe. And Dr. Eben Alexander also had a near-death ex experience. He wrote Proof of Heaven and he's a neurosurgeon. And I just wanted to state, um, going back to the heart, a lot of people, you know, Barry, you mentioned just now that uh, we're taught to stuff it down and we're taught to not feel our emotions and to not really, we're much more inclined to be logical about things and, and we've been conditioned to use our brain as opposed to our heart. And I just wanted to um, bring this back around, which uh, Dr. Alexander mentions in his book, Living in a Mindful Universe. He says, heart math research uh, shows that the heart's toroidal shaped electrical field is 60 times greater than yeah. that of the brain, and yeah. its magnetic field is 5,000 times greater than that of the brain. Yes. Their measurements reveal that the field is large enough to extend several feet, often more, outside our bodies, and positive moods such as gratitude, joy, and happiness correlate to a larger, more expanded heart field, while emotions such as pain, greed, anger, and sadness constrict the heart field. Exactly. exactly. We, we do an experiment. Uh, Gailey uses a camera and arometer, you know, it's a dowsing device. Mm -hmm. and um, we'll Cameron, measure. It, it, Cameron. it sounded like camera. Oh no, it's Cameron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. C A M E R O M. Yeah. Um, and so we'll have people like so Gayla will hold it, and people will walk towards her, and as they get closer and closer, it starts to move because it's picking up their field, right? Mm -hmm. So then you will measure how big their field is. That way. Yeah, and they usually get to within three or four, two to three feet from me before right. the R meter starts to move. Then we'll do laugh yoga. We'll have them go back to the start of, you know, I do this like at one end of the, they're at one end of the room, I'm at the other end. And I say, walk slowly toward me, just walk toward me. And about the, when they get to about three feet, the aura meter, which I'm holding with two hands so people can see I'm not moving it, pressed up against my body so they can see I'm not moving it, it will start to move as they get within about three feet. 
Okay, so they everybody's seen that. Now, go back to where you started at the other end of the room, and let's pretend that something's funny. Let's just laugh for no reason, and let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody can laugh with us yeah. out there. toward me again. And now, within 10 feet or 12 feet even, the meter will start to move. Wow. Your field, the yeah. The energetic field has expanded that much 10 to 12 feet in front of them and that's the heart field so that anybody can do that and you know i taught laughter yoga after my daughter passed away i became i i had gone into a grief group and um there was a woman there who hadn't laughed since her daughter died 16 years before and I knew my daughter would not want that for me. I knew she would not want me to be suffering for 16 years without laughter or joy in my life, even though, and especially if, it was no laughing matter. Hmm. I think that's beautiful. I uh, think that that's a great place to stop so that people can think about how they want to add more joy in their life. And I also want to say everything that we talked about today, as far as the feng shui goes. And, you know, um, I love the idea of it's kind of like a, a 3d visual board, uh, that we can make with our feng shui and creating, uh, our own realities and changing our own perceptions. And right. I think that adding more joy in our life and increasing our heartfelt our heart field is a great way to um, really solidify that intention that we were talking about and our, our goals and um, setting forth the correct energy and the things that we're trying to attract in our lives and getting that feng shui to work on our, our, our behalf. And making conscious choices, choosing, you know, if you've got two TV shows, choose the one that's going to bring you joy. <laughs> Mm. Well, all things in your life, whether it's TV, the people you surround yourself right. with, the food exactly. that you eat, exactly. get rid of everything that's toxic. I, I agree that watching things like Game of Thrones, as much as it may be entertaining, if, if you feel uncomfortable, you're sad, or you know, you're disappointed that your character got thrown off, I mean, those aren't good emotions. So watch exactly. Frasier. It's more funny. Yeah, Frasier. <laughs> That, that may be the funniest show ever. Yeah, yeah. I love Frasier. Yeah. Yeah. I have it like on, I don't have TV, but I do have Netflix. And sometimes I'll just put that on repeat. I'll just like let it run. Yeah, we, we got all the DVDs for the whole thing. Yeah, it's yeah. always been my intention. I've watched them many times, many, many times. So it's always been my intention because I'm going to be 80 next year, but it was always my intention if I got old, <laughs> that I, if I couldn't Whatever do anything, I would just sit there and watch Frasier. That would be, that would be. I love it. My I last, it. my last time. And, and if anybody out there was laughing along with us, hopefully just notice what a huge change happened in your energy when you did that. Yeah. You can feel tingling energy actually mm -hmm. if you stop and pay attention. I couldn't stop laughing because you guys were making me laugh and you were making me feel good. And then I was thinking about how great you guys were feeling, which was making me feel good. And it was fantastic. <laughs> it's contagious. That's it. It's wonderful. I mean, and let's all expand our heart fields. You know, Rupert, 
uh, Sheldrake identified the morphic field, which is the collective unconscious. And right now, because of politics and so many things, uh, it's kind of a wet blanket above everybody's head. And I think that's why Vanity Fair and all those magazines are just like um, representing that. It's really dark. And if we can punch through our... Um, you know, punch holes of joy through and let some rays of sunshine sink in. It, we're doing a great service for the world, I, I believe, really. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if, if laugh, 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 and laugh again. If people are interested in learning more about the two of you or would like to find you, where do they go uh, to get more? And I also want to mention, um, what Gayla was just talking about, the joy of laughing, how to how and why to laugh, even though, and especially if it's not a laughing matter. You know, I know that I've got audience listeners that are dealing with grief. I've got several women that I know that listen to the show that have recently lost their husbands. So if they are interested in learning more or how to navigate this, where do they go? Well, that's a good They can go to our um, feelfreefast.com, feelfreefast.com. Uh, they can email Gaylor or myself, uh, okay. gaylor.sonic.net, G-A-Y-L-A at S-O-N-I-C.net, or Barry G, B-A-R-R-Y-G at feelfreefast.com. Uh, so those are the three best ways to get a hold of us, I think. Okay, perfect. And I know that you guys do uh, workshops and classes and you also have uh, offerings at your Utopia. So do they get all that information also at thefeelfreefast.com or is there another place to locate that information? Well, right now that's probably the best place, but we're actually rebuilding it. So there'll be more and more information going up because we're changing a lot of what we're doing. Yeah, we're offering retreats now, mm -hmm. um, actually personalized private retreats, i.e. one person or one couple per retreat. And then they can pick the subject, you know, if it's um, heart resonance, heart brain coherence, uh, dowsing, feng shui, um, so many, we've got a whole list of subjects. Anything that exists in the world, we've, we've done it. So I can just- I know. It's a true fact. I mean, I think I could come and live with you for six months and I still wouldn't learn it all. Yeah, we've been living with us for more than six months and we still haven't learned it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so they can get on our mailing list by emailing us, you know, um, at barryg at feelfreefast.com. Um, and we'll have some announcements coming out. It's going to be all the kind of things we've been talking about, really. Right, and Barry yeah. already did an amazing I Ching course online. And we've got free, um, an hour-long free introduction to, to I Ching, which is spectacular. Yeah, that's really on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, um, and actually, when someone gets our book, I give them an hour free consultation to help them get use the practices in the book. 30 minutes. 30 minutes, is it? Well, okay, I guess I, I guess I'm giving a 30 minute one. He gives no, he gives an hour. I, I just give enough minutes. to people, you know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, shamanic, oh, I mean, scientific shamanic healing.com. Right. It's an ebook right now because we've got a hundred 
bright brain activating illustrations in it. And to print that book would cost us about $45 per copy, and I don't think that would sell too well. So right now, it's but we're looking to um, find a publisher in China that can do it for less that would be affordable. So right now it's just ebook or PDF, and you just go to scientific shamanic healing.com and it's there. It's only $9.59 and it's worth, it's priceless. Perfect. Priceless. Well, thank you both for saying yes to doing this again and, and gifting me with your time today. I think that the audience is going to glean a lot of valuable information and I hope that everybody leaves the show laughing. I do too. I do, yes, really. And we would love to hear from them. We'd love to hear their stories, their synchronicities, um, what they, you know, if they liked anything we said, we'd love to hear from them. If they didn't like anything we said. We'd still like to hear from them. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Let's go off by laughing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> after hearing this show I don't know what will make you laugh I swear I think that's the best therapy and every time I hear it it just makes me laugh more and I will say it is boosting my chi it's completely cultivating it and it feels fluffy and joyous and uh, I have to agree with Gala there's just a lot of negativity that's in our world it's probably why I never want to leave the house anymore I don't like to convene and be around other people <laughs> because they're so negative but uh, what a great uh, resource to be able to go back to and, and listen to this so that you can laugh and add some joy to your day. Uh, don't forget, I've got my New Year New Energy uh, class workshop. It's, uh, I'm still not sure what to call it, but enrollment is open now until November 15th. Still have some openings, so if you're interested in getting some kick-ass New Year ceremonies and calling in those really great vibes for the New Year, uh, and also you'll be getting a, a divination reading by me, but make sure you sign up today. The link is on our website and I'll also be teaching how to remove negative energy next weekend at Half Moon Yoga in Franklin, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about that, just head on over to our website and shoot us an email and we will send you the link and give you the information. All right, everyone. I hope that you've enjoyed this show today. Be sure if you need any more additional information, you can head on over to interiorvibes.com. I've also got some fantastic uh, videos up on YouTube, so be sure to check that out. And hey, if you like this show, be sure to subscribe. All right, everyone. Trust the vibe because the energy never lies. <laughs>